This is my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR tech market map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping their sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. Hi, Jasmine. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Hi, Adrian. How are you doing? I'm doing well. To begin with, perhaps you can help us to better understand about yourself as well as the company you are with right now. So I'm one of the founders of basically New Way CFRPT Limited. This is a company we had started way back in 1998 in India. At that time, there was like a more of a brain drain talent moving from India to US for the Y2K issues, which were there in the US computers. And I basically hailed from a software background, actually, but I joined uh, New Way, my better half's business because managing work-life balance in India was very difficult. And I myself had an H1 visa where I was supposed to go to US for software development and power builder Java. But the September 11th attacks happened and the market fell and then it was difficult for me to move. And from since then on, I have been with uh, uh, purely into executive search, into recruitment. I took up learning German to help the global counterparts. And in 2009, part of a global federation, which is by the name of CFR Consulting Group, this is a group of retained search firms around the globe. So currently we are partners in 25 countries and we represent them in Singapore and in India. Since 2011, we are based in Singapore and managing the talent needs for the ASEAN geographies. So this is about a bit about us more in the global executive search firm. Yeah, so it's over two decades and uh, last year, 2020, that was a time when the global pandemic pushed us all to the deepest end of the pool. And from a talent perspective, it was getting crazy in terms of filling up the roles for the clients. The sourcing, of course, was getting difficult and then remote became the tipping point. So this triggered actually a massive migration from the traditional workplace, what we were always used to. Of course, remote was very much happening in the other part of the world, the US, the Europe, but Asia was still not ready for it. But we had to be evolving and be ready for the remote work, which in any case, the pandemic accelerated. And because of this, the digital acceleration happened at an unimaginable pace. And even in Asia, the landscape began changing faster and faster. So in the last quarter of 2020, I started thinking that, okay, we need to think differently than the normal hiring because the year has been pretty rough and uh, the times are changing. And with remote, how do we add value addition to our clients? Because that is always a thought process behind our minds, a value addition, because we have, I think, conditioned ourselves in that aspect of value addition for the clients. So maintaining our quality was again of paradigm importance. The challenge became that the sourcing started becoming global. So which was increasing time consuming effort. And then how do we evaluate the quality when the talent is remote? So since then we were cracking our heads. How do we get, how do we get hold of doing something more as a value add, not just building a job portal of matching CVs and so on and so forth. And uh, then we looked into a lot of companies in US, Europe, and started our venture by the name of Fluidtel. And it's been less than an year where we are now. 
currently more on a professional services, working with the clients, working on customized tests on technology. But here, the most important element is not just vetting them electronically from the technologies, but we have added the elements of EQ and fraud mechanism, which is a very important dynam- dimension in the remote. That's really interesting, especially on the EQ and fraud detection aspect. We'll touch on that later, but maybe for a start, could you help us to understand what's the key difference between hiring a non-remote worker in person versus hiring a remote ones? Yeah, in pre-COVID, we were all in the non-remote world, you know, and we as headhunters, I'm speaking from a headhunting perspective, wherein we are working with, majorly we're working with multinationals. So wherein we are working for the same client in multiple geographies, wherein we are meeting the talents because these are either the leadership talents or they are, and generally these are all hard to fill positions when the clients come to us at the fag end of when they can't figure it out. So we travel to the respective countries in ASEAN or in Asia to meet them, evaluate them leadership capabilities. We catch up with them even at the breakfast, lunch, dinner, off the working hours to see their soft skills and what is their other passion that they arrive at for this role beyond the technical acumens. But then when it comes to ends, after that, when we present to the clients, are also going to be having a similar round of interviews, case studies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera to fill up the roles and that's where which was going in the round and typically the always the idea was that talents are going to be part of a big community of that multinational working in this building so and so business district and they will have other factors as well of a leadership team builder mentoring delivery management project management etc yeah but with the pandemic it so happened that the challenges turned 360 degrees when, in the, when the world moved remote and then the most important element which we felt was in remote talent, you need somebody apart from you are not going to be part of this big community, but it's going to be a remote community. But the important element was where you can have a trust and how you can align to the hybrid culture. I think that was became the paradigm uh, subject of discussion, wherein how do we increase the longevity of the professional and the projects. Because the the world became a little fragile in that sense and digital technology started getting stronger. The world was moving to the Zoom and Slack and online, but the startups were booming. And at the same time, it was a little conflict scenario at every end wherein we, the, the surety of the business was also at question. So for us, from a search per se, we saw that challenge was not just sourcing, but when it comes to remote talent, how do we assure that the candidate is genuine enough, the candidate is really interested for this opportunity, what we have to offer for our clients? Is he having two jobs in hand, already working for two clients remotely? How do we look at that? That is where I think we started realizing that one side, the tech talent is having a lot of demand of opportunities across geographies, not just in Asia, generally across. And this is becoming a candidate's market. And the startups are pouring in a lot of money to incentivize professionals to join them, leading to a hotspot scenario, I would say, overall on the quality and then which is something that we didn't want to compromise. Yeah, that is the reason I think everything was pointing towards, okay, that how do we come to a solution? And that's where this vetting company, Fluidtel, wherein the technical assessments that we do are the customized tests, which are for the respective roles, we are, which we are working on the live uh, ID. When I say ID, it means integrated development environment. It is as good as the environment where engineers are working on a day-to-day basis. So it is mimicking the real life environment 
And these tests are not multiple choice questions wherein, you know, we just pick up answers by random and maybe I might pass the test. But these are difficulty level coding assessments to find in the best fit for the role. And then these are also pre-built project-based assessment if a client wants in specifically to be assessed upon. And then we are asking the candidate to figure out, okay, can you figure out an error in this line of code? You can have a live coding session and then say, why did you use this type of coding methodology and so on and so forth. So we are able to see how authentic the candidate is, what is his presence of mind, what is his critical thinking ability for arriving at a solution. And generally, these are on the open source technologies. When I say open source technologies, these are the full stack, the front-end development, back-end development, Java's, Java, .NET, data engineering, data science, and those areas. Around 30 plus technologies currently we support. And when I say in terms of the fraud mechanisms that when we are looking at, typically this works in terms of managing that have they created multiple profiles, have they created some empty profiles, the verification to uh, a lot of verifications in terms of the confidence analysis, where would, where were they doing in the test? We, we, it takes a snapshots during the test. We can figure out if somebody else was helping them or not. The validation is happening with the trusted sources. So this privacy, security elements are taken into to bridge the gap between the actual hiring, which was normally happening. And now because it's a remote hiring, so it's the hybrid environment, which is that there would be a company would be having their internal pool. At the same time, these are the remote talents as well. So how do we create a bridge between this internal and the external pool? How does the MT profile aspect work? And also what are some other things specifically that candidates may try to pull a fast one in order to game the system? Yeah, when I say empty profile, so typically if this is just one of the examples, because now in technology, everything is through the online medium and we are gauging the candidates online. So say, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm just quoting as an example. Say, for example, the candidate creates a GitHub profile on the day of the test that itself ascertains that he is not really strong enough because uh, most of the technical guys, they are on GitHub or GitLab or Stack Overflow. These are the, the tools wherein they do coding. They share their repositories and they're working as a community already in the technology space. There are data scientists who work on Kaggle. So this is something when I talk in terms of an empty profile. So that is what detects that, okay, this candidate is perhaps not strong enough. He's just trying to please us in terms of showing that, okay, he's having so-and-so profile, but it's an empty profile. You just or want to tick the checkbox. Yeah, they just want to tick the checkbox. And believe me, there have been so many such incidences because companies, typically most of these big companies with whom we work with, they have these AI solutions of screening. So they want to tick the checkbox. Everything under the sun for that particular technology is put on their resume so that the resume passes through the screening. But what happens after? The companies are spending a lot of time evaluating those candidates and wherein the end result is that the clients are also not happy and a lot of time has already lost. So we are just trying to minimize this gap here, how we could reduce the time of hiring for the client. Sourcing was anyway happening even before that, and sourcing is even now happening. So sourcing is our forte. But how best we do the sourcing with the value addition of vetting is an area of element. And for the second question that you asked upon in terms of how do we the candidates get around, this was one of the classic example was that they try to feel that they can fool the AI systems and get into the uh, the system. 
but uh, also they try to candidates don't know that these tools are video based assessment they cannot have somebody helping them and there have been instances where we have caught candidates red handed wherein somebody was sitting next to them helping them or they had two monitors and so this test when i say fraud detection it also checks in terms of the all the browser movements which all sites they are opening while the test is on and this builds a confidence that this candidate is strong enough or was he really checking on all the answers also which were asked upon plus on the eq when we ask them questions around passion around the curiosity element and that is where when they try to figure out the answers we genuinely feel that he is not sure of himself or he or she is not sure of himself The EQ aspect again is really fascinating because I have seen mm-hmm. many comp- coding assessments. Obviously, everything is very technical, very binary. Whether the code can compile this and that, but EQ as part of the whole assessment was never something that I picked up. And you mentioned earlier on that the candidate was trying to find solution to it. To my understanding, is EQ something even binary to begin with? Because it seems like very unique to the individual. And, but maybe we can take a step back and, and help us to understand. Why the inclusion of EQ as an assessment element? Yeah, we saw that the common mistakes which were happening now, especially when the world started becoming remote, because companies first of all were in the traditional mold of hiring, and and the world was yet getting ready to adapt to these new changes. No matter how much ever information was flowing through the internet, like one of the Ceridian, which is a human capital management software firm. one of the reports says that the freelancers or the gig workers will substantially replace the full-time employees in the next 5 years but are we ready for that for being in this distributed workforce which the what we saw where some of the gaps were say for example if i'm an asia based company if the client is asia based and they are trying to hire somebody from maybe the latin america or maybe from the european markets the time gaps are so huge and when there is a criticality of a client meet or something the candidate is not available and even in distributed workforce we need to see how best we are getting aligned to not just technically but on all the other aspects also then comes the culture part of it then comes the other elements of really how much can i trust on this person how much of integrity is there because the data is going to be flowing outside of the organization which earlier was never the case be it a cloud company be it a data center be it a software services company or a product company so the integrity part was very important and that is all these pointers lead to the eq the reliability the the empathy part of it the passion part of it and also the curiosity element and over and above it the critical thinking because talent if he's remote he might not be a part of the entire cohort or the community which is there going to be in a one particular location they are definitely are going to be a part of the remote community but there is not going to be much of handholding there is not going to be much of project management people management and those areas which are eating up the time they need to be top of the game in terms of the technology and that can be only be when they also have the eq element they cannot be arrogant and say i will never be collaborative and i cannot manage the team even if it's like a remote team so all all these elements determine that iq is important but the most over and above that is the eq part of it so the collaborative mindset was uh, missing and for the companies to be ready i wouldn't say just the company itself 
but the entire ecosystem has to be ready. We are talking when we are talking in terms of the remote talent, there is areas of the EOR that is the employer on record. If some company needs to hire a talent in a different geography, understanding the legalities, the payroll processing, reference to the, of course, a lot of companies are now coming up into this solution. But finally, for a company, this needs to be integrated within their organization itself, which is still right now in bits and pieces, but I think we are getting there. And for companies that are looking to hire their first remote worker, what are some of the advice you would give to them, whether it is a technical or non-technical roles? Are there some common uh, practices they should look into in order to ensure the whole process works well in their favor? Yeah, most important thing I have seen in the technology world is the JDs are always a very big issue is like they are misfit. JDs talk of a sheep with five legs, which is just sometimes unrealistic. <laughs> and, and, and I think you being an HR professional, being in this industry, you know what I'm talking about. And I think companies need to be mindful of the fact that we need to understand what is the ground reality even and what is important from our organization per se. So that mapping is first needed. And that is where companies need to be looking at, are we ready to shake up the existing mold, adapt to the new normal? And for the important element when it comes to remote is beyond the technical acumen, I think we are looking at the elements of the curiosity, integrity, and accountability for which the first step is going to be the culture needs to be. So now we are not talking of a culture of what we were understanding culture uh, earlier in the traditional hiring method. Now the culture is more to be goal-oriented. And for goal-oriented, what we need is the transparency, the professionalism, and what matters is the leaders who are the stakeholders, they also first need to honor the commitments. And the same is going to be expected from the remote talent as well. And if when that is the case, that is where the KPIs need to be ascertained upon. And then automatically it will fall in place that they will not talk anything but the KPIs. And if they don't honor the commitments, even the talent, the company has all the right to look into different talents. But that I think is going to be a win-win situation right now. The gaps which are there, leading to a lot of toxic corporate culture and other stuff, which is getting minimized, I would say, when the remote comes in. I actually read an article earlier today that uh, workplace harassment in Singapore has actually risen recently. And people are actually Mm. caught by surprise because what are you talking about? We are not going to office. Why has harassment gone up? There are two kinds of harassment. There's a physical one. Of course, there's a verbal one. And as you mentioned about the toxic culture and all that, I think it also goes back to the kind of expectation people set up yeah. and set out to have, uh, especially when they are they have been very input focused for the longest time because of pandemic, they have to be output focused and they don't really have a clue on how to even look at output. Is this something that they can even measure to begin with? It's, it's just not something that uh, they are in sync with. How, what are the things that you believe uh, people managers or maybe even at the HR aspect, if they've been looking at input focus goals for the longest time, what are some of the steps they can take to slowly move into being more output focused? And what are the opportunity costs that they're missing out on if they continue to be input focused? Yeah, I think the most important element for every company is going to be patience for all this, the compassion, the empathy, and the trust. Right now, the trust element is missing. I I know of some companies, they have told us that we want the candidate to be keeping the Zoom login on so that they know that the person is working or not. So this shows that you are not trusting the professional, first of all. You are still not in this 9 to 5 mold or a 9 to 6 mold that the person and remote also needs to follow that timing. You 
that's why the KPIs, the goals are very important. Yeah. So you need to give them the, the KPIs and you drown them in the responsibility, but you also enable them to earn more responsibility through the outcome. You measure small outcomes, you maybe appreciate them and take them to the next level of the outcome. I, I would like to quote this as an example, if this might help. Of course, it is too big an example to summarize, but in, in our real life scenario, which has recently happened in this year, was the launch of Perseverance, right, in the USA in March 2021. So the complex technology which came from NASA scientists was also not only just NASA itself, but a lot of small businesses of US which were identified, nurtured, funded. Now, this wouldn't have been possible if NASA wouldn't have trusted the small businesses. So it is like as good as you're creating a symphony orchestra. So wherein there are each each string and each music chord is so very important. We cannot say in whole that, okay, I'm running this, playing this symphony orchestra. Everybody is so important. Even the pause is so important. Everybody has to take a pause at the same time. But for which, that is a trust which is there in the symphony orchestra that everybody will take a pause at the same time. So I feel we companies are still, we need to shake our existing old mold and see that how do we arrive at this new mold. According to me, I think the best way is to lead this new generation to drown them in responsibility, first of all. Enable them to earn more responsibility through outcomes. And how, what do we do with the outcomes? We measure though their impact through the outcomes. So for that, we need the KPIs. What goal did you exceed? So these are the some of the type of questions even we ask in the EQ that give us a scenario wherein you have exceeded the expectation or you faced a challenging situation. And how did you overcome it? And when we see that the candidate is putting the fault on somebody else, we know what is his mindset and he is not ready to take up the responsibility himself. So that's why the responsibility, I think, should be tied up to the KPIs. And that is where we, we will figure out who are the ambitious people who want to be the owner of their careers, who want to run on merit and who are entrepreneurial on the mindset or are they of the herd mentality who want to be delegated and who can only do what they want to be uh, what they are asked to delegate. But I actually most have heard of the is, same yes, story about companies expecting their people to be on Zoom from nine to six. I wonder if it's the same company. But I think you, you really capture that well in sharing what people has to focus on. And I think in essence, it's really to start treating people as adults and not as young kids uh, who don't know a thing and I'm still seeing it, unfortunately, in many smaller businesses. I hope business pressure as well as being a bit more, having a bit more foresight would help them to really consider changing the way they look at things and as well as looking at talent and people. The other thing that I just want to understand from you is, of course, in terms of what you're doing, it covers the uh, de development side, the technology people. Are there plans to actually bring this across to other functions as well? I have heard in the case of uh, consultancy, where they do case study interview, somewhat yeah. similar, they are also thrown into a scenario. And I would say that it quite synchronized with what they will eventually be brought in to do because once they become consultant, they also have to do white paper, maybe do some project, basically work in a gray area with a lot of ambiguity and come up with strategies. So the case study interview basically allow them to do something similar. In your case, the developer has to go through uh, a, a mock scenario, but very similar to what they have been expected to do in a real life situation. Do you think there are other functions that could also incorporate such elements to create some form of uh, simulated environment where they can actually practice their craft and showcase to companies if they are the right person? To 
Yeah, so that is on the plans. But right now, you know, just as a new startup, we are first focusing on to the technology area and technology is itself drowning us so much. But yes, we have gone through some of the tools, even through games, wherein we are able to ascertain what is the mindset of this candidate. There are a lot of other tools, wherein it could be from a consultancy case perspective, as you said, the case studies. And uh, wherein they are, it's, they are running a small enterprise as a case study and showing them their capabilities. So it is there on the cards, but yes, it needs a lot of, because everything needs customization. So it cannot be like a one size fits all solution. So in, in terms of the steps that we are looking at is first from a technology and right now to maybe increase the, the scope of even for the zero to two years, wherein we start with the campus event and try to understand because that is the pool which is coming into the workforce. And this workforce is already having a lot of ambitions today. And the world has changed pretty much in terms of the, it's like a fundamental reset that we are all, we have all gone through. So the idea is to take this to a portal wherein it's like an MVP, which we are building currently. And so for, even for the campus, uh, when we are talking about, they need to be mindful of the fact that they cannot have the non-judgmental aspects to it, a balanced view. And then authenticity is important, resilience, agility, all this is important. So it is not to really bombard them with these terminologies, but bring them these areas of motivation and a vision that, okay, to be an influential leader in the course of years, this is how you will also have to go through these unseen possibilities and this build this multimodal workplace roadmap event. So building from its small block. So right now it's just technology focused, wherein it's the uh, Portal development has started with a software development company and it's very much in an incubation stage. So we are looking at starting from Jan 2022. So it is going to be for the universities in Singapore as well as in Asia, because that is where the maximum mass of talent is. And Asia is having a lot of opportunities, the gravity of the globe moving here. So I think this is where we are. But I am very much keen to get into the other areas of the consulting, accounting, HR, wherein all these EQ elements are going to be imperative. That'll be exciting. For people who are keen to learn more about Fluidtel, where can they go to? Yes, our website is fluidtel.com. Of course, right now it's a static website till the AI-based system is going to be ready. Plus, we have a LinkedIn page, so there are not frequent posts, but there are posts as well. And the most important thing is if there is any technology talent, please come to us to have yourself vetted. And that is what will help you enable where you stand. So this, if I were to highlight some of the, the aspects of the test, they are going to be, it also benchmarks candidates in terms of where they stand with respect to the global score, even at that point of time for that particular test as well. So that, that helps them to figure in terms of anything more that they want to do and uh, how they should do better in terms of the assessment and so on and so forth. And the confidence analysis also, it, it is like a lot of AI is being running around that. So the computer vision detects if there are multiple faces on the screen or there was a code comparison where they tried to maybe try to write a similar, some two candidates have tried to write similar lines of code. How is that possible? So it is just going to detect all this type of issues. Maybe IP, they, they have given one particular IP uh, and showing some other IP, small pointers here and there are not going to be taking us somewhere, but all as a solution are going to be very important for a client because we are finally reducing the hiring time for the client. And my idea is 
to make it like a vetted portal of candidates. I'm not comparing myself to a TripAdvisor or an Uber, but that is the whole idea. Candidates and the client both have a confidence that, okay, this is the place wherein we can have the vetted talents and the candidates will know that, okay, they are open for a global distributed environment so they can be looking at opportunities in any part of the globe. And uh, that is the whole idea. But yes, it's going to be in steps. It, I, w- I wouldn't say I'm going to jump to in Jan 2022 on all this, but that is a plan. And this uh, will be added into the show notes. So for people who's keen to learn more about Fluitel, you can just simply go to the link to find out more. Yes. Thank you so much for your time, Jasmine. Thanks for making time today to come onto the Th- show. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks for your time. And thanks for giving this opportunity to Jasmine and to Fluitel. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.